0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda.
1: Hey, guys.
0: Uh, Yeah, this week kind of sucks, uh, not going to lie. <laughs> and uh, you probably yep. know like what we're referencing. It just feels uh, very heavy. And I don't think that what we're talking about today necessarily helped with that, like existential dread, uh, because <laughs> we're talking a lot of... Pessim- pessimism, pessimism, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pessimism, pessimism, okay, well, uh, we're recording really late and we both had really long work weekends. And I know that you had just a lot of interesting stuff happen to you yesterday. Uh, would you like to elaborate on any of that?
1: Uh, yeah, so yesterday, my fiance Lane and his buddy David Got into a bit of a car wreck yesterday. Mm. They're both fine. Everyone involved is fine. Um, However, while I have the floor, I would like to just kind of remind everyone that at a green light, the people going straight had the right of way, not the people turning left. Just Uh, just a quick reminder unrelated to anything. Just, you know, (laughs) just remind you guys how to drive. But yeah, that was a whole whole endeavor turn into like a whole day thing and then having to you know work after that and having at least two people ask me if i could stay late was kind of the icing on top of that like i don't even want to go you guys what makes you think i want to stick around
0: hmm. so, well you know yeah i mean it definitely sounds like you had the more interesting weekend than i never uh, a dull
1: moment with spooky linda
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, uh I got a message from your dad. Oh uh, my god, what? Yeah. I, what? <laughs> I got a message from your dad. He was like, he was like We need more spooky Lindaler. What, what hold on. I'll I'll pull up the exact message because it was kind of funny and it kind of threw me off guard. Uh uh hold on. Let me get to the actual like Facebook code He said something along the lines of like you know, what would be like much appreciated. Uh, yeah, here, hold on. Uh, he said, you know, what would be awesome with a question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, (laughs) spooky Linda merch, exclamation point. Um, and that's all he said. And then I was like, we are working on some additional merch, but I totally agree.
1: Oh my god. Okay, my dad is literally the coolest dude in the world. I freaking love my dad. And I just think it's hilarious that he (laughs) said something to you. Because I know that if you put out spooky Linda merch, he's gonna buy it and make everyone buy it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that was the thing we're working on some like additional like, um, I guess I'm losing my voice too. Um, We're working on some additional like Halloween themed merch and also um just different variations we just wanted a good base that way we could basically start from a base and then keep building on top of it but we were thinking of doing like um characters for the uh for the into the bro podcast having actual like characters of us rather than just like doing some into the bro merch so i thought about doing so
1: freaking cute just little cartoons of us Mm -hmm. oh my god that'd be so adorable
0: I thought it would be a, a nice surprise for anyone who, like, like actually knows us. Um, <laughs> but I'm working on that. I just don't have any artistic abilities, so I've got to find someone else that can do that. And, of course, with everything going on right now, everyone's schedule is super crazy. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the merch, uh, we did just launch a new merch line this week. Uh, so it's our second, you know, volume of merch that we had um, ever on the site and uh, I'm really proud of it. You can go check it out at com slash merch. I will give credit where credit is due. It is all thanks to my girlfriend, Lorencia, who basically, you know, put in a lot of work just making sure that all the designs and everything looked spot on and clean. Uh, and so I really appreciate that because there's only so much that a one man can do. And uh, I was already doing so much and then, you know, sure. having... Having to write for another site and write for my own site and edit everything and, you know, and then throwing in merch on top of working full time. It's kind of a kind of a lot on my plate. So she helped kind of relieve some of that. So we always appreciate that. Another thing, um, if you go to our Patreon uh, right now and you sign up for the trick or treat tier, it's a $10 a month tier. It also gives you a 10% off discount code for our, our store as well. So if you didn't want to like, spend your money outright, Uh, you can use that especially for like some of the larger orders if you're planning on like getting a couple hoodies maybe a blanket or two like you can definitely go check that out and by the way you can literally sign up for that tier and then cancel and then just use the discount code I don't really care what you do with it (laughs) Um, but uh, it's just another way for you to see some of like our exclusive content that we have over on the Patreon account so I really really appreciate all of the positive feedback that we've received from this merch Uh, I know a lot of you have already gotten a lot of the merch and uh it makes me happy that people are actually enjoying it because i haven't even gotten any of the merch yet Uh, i ordered a phone before a phone the phone case that we have the bio biodegradable phone case um, and i ordered that before we actually published the store and um you know with our official launch and i still have not got it but i see several people's orders have already shipped out to him so i'm kind of upset because i put in my order at like the big at the end of august essentially and it's still not here but everyone else is getting uh, shipped out so i guess i would rather them delay mine but still anyway yeah Um, Yeah, so there's all that. And then of course, we've got to talk about Buzzsprout at least once in the the introduction of the episode. Um, And Buzzsprout is a great hosting platform. If you're looking to get started podcasting, Uh, basically, you can get listed on all of the major podcast directories from, you know, Apple to Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music just released their own podcasting service as well. Uh, It's official now I could technically talk about it, even though I've mentioned it before. Um, but if you're someone who listens to Amazon music and you have an Amazon music subscription, you can go find the into the Bureau podcast feed on Amazon music. And that's pretty exciting. Cause I know a few of my family members actually use Amazon music. Um, so now they're going to be able to listen to it on their preferred provider. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting. Everything that's kind of changing. I have a, a video game review coming out here, not on my site, but on more Ridley beautiful. Um, they're a, uh, site slash blog out of, um, Austin, Texas. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I did, um, Friday the 13th killer puzzle. I did a review on that. That'll be releasing here (laughs) in the next couple of days. It's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I encourage you to go check out all of the, I try and share it on every, on every platform that I possibly can, including, you know, my own site, Uh, just so that you can kind of see, you know, everything that we're working with. Cause it might not seem like I'm busy sometimes, but I I assure you that between school work and everything I do with the borough, like I have a full bladder. But with all that being said, uh, I think now is a good time to get into the news. What do you think, Linda?
1: Oh yeah. Plus it kind of sound like you said you have a full bladder and I was trying really hard not to giggle.
0: We'll but, see, that would be my, um, that would be my uh, allergies that we uh, <laughs> talk about frequently. Um, not really, I have a little sinus congestion. So sometimes and also like, for those of you who don't know, I do have a little bit of um, like a like a speech impediment ish. And so sometimes the words get mixed. Uh, it, it makes it really fun when I go to record like the news bits, um, at, you know, in the middle of the episode before we actually get into news discussion. When I'm recording those, it's really fun. If you ever get like, maybe I'll start uploading it to our Patreon, but. Um, basically, like, if you get the raw, like, unedited version of those news bits before I actually go in and chop them up, um, you're going to hear a lot of mucks, you're going to hear a lot of sighs, you're going to hear all of that as I'm trying to um, read off articles. And it's not because, like, I can't read or anything. It's just um, sometimes, like, you know, combined with my allergies that speech impediment kind of sometimes does me a little dirty. But
1: Well, not only that, but I mean, like, uh, I mean, I'm running off fumes, so like everything's like hilarious to me right now. <laughs> so I do I do. don't worry, I'm not. I'm not like roasting you this time. This time, oh no, um,
0: no you, you can roast me whenever you want. That's okay. <laughs> I accept your roasting. I'm just uh, other dying,
1: people, you guys.
0: <laughs> other people, it's fine, but like you know, we we dish it back and forth pretty well. So you know, um, it's it's a two way street for sure. But, uh, yeah, let's go be pessimistic. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do here on the Borough Reviews. It follows, a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scenes content, and all of the other tier perks. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash to sign up. The Borough Reviews your movie refuge. The latest news from last week. Rebecca Rubin and Brett Lang, a variety, write, Black Widow Eyes new release date, Soul may move to Disney+. The reopening of movie theaters may hit another speed bump. Disney will likely delay Black Widow, the superhero adventure from Marvel that was slated to open on November 6th, according to multiple individuals with knowledge of the situation. The studio is also exploring various release options for Pixar's existential cartoon Soul. The animated kids film is still scheduled to release on November 20th, but it is unlikely to move forward with those plans. The studio is even considering releasing it on Disney+. However, a Disney insider disputed claims that Seoul was moving to Disney+. Pamela McClintock of The Hollywood Reporter writes, Box office. Mulan malfunctions in China with $23 million opening. Disney's Mulan malfunctioned in its China box office debut with a disheartening $23.2 million. The $200 million tentpole was made with both Chinese and American audiences top of mind. Leading up to the film's Middle Kingdom opening, analysts had expected it to take in anywhere from $30 million to $40 million over the September 11th through 13th frame. Christopher Nolan's Tenet, after all, had launched to $30 million the previous weekend. Brent Lang and Rebecca Rubin also write in Variety. After Tenet stumbles and Wonder Woman 2 moves, movie theaters brace for rough fall. The showroom cinema in Osbury Park and the beach cinema in Bradley Beach got the green light to reopen at the end of August when New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy lifted restrictions on movie theaters. Mike Sedano, who owns both venues, says that even though he can turn on the marquee lights again after dimming them for roughly six months, He's hesitant to start welcoming back customers. Sedano isn't sure when he'll begin making moves to reopen. The box office performance of Warner Brothers' Tenet, the Christopher Nolan science fiction epic that many exhibitors hoped would lure audiences back to cinemas during the coronavirus, had done little to assure his anxiety. The film earned a meager 6.7 million in its second weekend, bringing its domestic haul to a disappointing 29.5 million. Studios seem to agree. Last week, Warner Brothers moved Wonder Woman 1984 from October 2nd to Christmas, and Universal pushed Candyman from October 16th to an undetermined time in 2021. On September 14th, STX added to the list of postponements, announcing it would release the Gerard Butler disaster film Greenland in the U.S. at some unspecified point in the fourth quarter instead of debuting it this month. It's easy to understand the mounting panic among theater owners. In a business that cycles through blockbusters on an almost weekly basis, nearly two months is an eternity to go without a new crowd-pleaser. And that concludes your last week's news update. Did you know that we have our own YouTube channel? There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies, and even some Let's Plays. Lately, we have been focused heavily on our curated horror content. But we have a goal to get to 100 subscribers by the end of the year, and it would mean everything to the team to reach our goal. Simply search The Burrow Reviews on YouTube and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell if you enjoy the content. The Burrow Reviews, your movie refuge. Alright, did you like that news bit, everyone? Whole lot of nothing, huh? Basically, just uh, pessimism, pessimism, pessimism... Uh, movies are doomed theaters are doomed uh, everyone go crazy that's basically what we got from news this week Um, and it mainly centers around the box office and how the box office is doing both on the domestic and international market and also it comes down to all of the delays that we're starting to now see Um, and predominantly the main thing that was talked about this week was Basically Marvel eyeing a new release date for Black Widow, which has already been delayed by months. I mean, I'm talking like this film was supposed to come out on, you know, in May. And here we are about to go into October and they're thinking about pushing it back again. Um, not only that, but we also have Pixar's soul, which might move to Disney Plus, although insiders uh, close to Disney are saying um, the opposite. they're kind of disputing that claim that it's going to go to Disney Plus uh so i i don't know what what do you think about things shifting around and like i mean i know that we talk about it every week because that's basically you know a lot of the news that's coming out right now but do you think that that there's hope for the theaters with all this getting delayed are they going to close again you know what what's going to go on with that
1: i mean i honestly can't really say anything for sure at this point i'm I'm trying to spare details due to the fact that we have another article related, in a way, here coming up. I just, I don't think it was really a good idea in the first place. I mean, when we talked about it, like, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, even back then, I was a little hesitant. Like, you know, not a lot of people are going to be wanting to go to the theaters at this time, especially in the states where, you know, here in Nebraska, it's still pretty low I, I guess, but um, other states are doing worse, and you know it's, the theaters were wanting to open up there, but now they can't. And I honestly think that if they are going to release Black Widow, I would honestly rather it be on Disney Plus, as mm-hmm. was Soul. But at the same time, Disney Plus can't keep charging people. $30. Exactly cuz you'll listen later, but it kind of screwed over Mulan's opening weekend them doing that. So hopefully they learned, knowing Disney they didn't. But I I think they're just going to have a better chance if they release these on like video demand on, you know, any one of our streaming platforms rather than rather than the movie theaters.
0: Uh, that's gonna have to be there. You know, I had a hope, right? I had hope when we it had Tenet released. And I was proven wrong. Um, there is not really a whole lot of people wanting to go out to the movie theaters right now. And I think a lot of that hesitation is still how variable and how unexpected some of the covid news has you know occurred over the past few months you know specifically here in Lincoln it's gone up down up down you know it's been this constant right. roller coaster of how many cases are being you know confirmed and and i get that a lot of that's due to increased testing but you know not everyone will kind of pick up on that and not everyone will trust all of that information so when there's a whole lot of uncertainty surrounding this it's going to make it more likely for people to stay home. And that was just the case. Uh, And I think, you know, with Mulan, it was a combination of not only do you have, you know, COVID happening still, but it's also, yeah, you, you, you put it on Disney plus and for families, that's going to be obviously the more viable solution to actually watching it on its opening weekend, maybe not for the individual, but for a family, it makes sense to rent it on Disney plus for that premium surcharge and so you had a combo of that two of those two things uh because they were in a, uh, analysts were projecting uh mulan to open anywhere from 30 to 40 million dollars over its opening weekend um as you know Christopher Nolan's tenant launched with 30 million the previous weekend mm-hmm. but what ended up happening here um was not great for it wasn't great for Disney, but it also wasn't great for the exhibitors like the movie theaters uh because it only opened with uh twenty three million dollars <laughs> specifically twenty three point two million dollars um at the box office in China on its opening weekend and l- let me be clear this is a two hundred dollar movie a million that that is two hundred million dollar movie and only only making 23.2 million, you know, at your box office took a huge cut away from that film's profit margin. Like it's, it basically shrunk it. Uh, and there, I don't know if there's a recovery to that or not. I, I don't believe so. And I would have to check how Disney plus is, you know, doing as far as data on Mulan on their actual like service, because I would imagine that if, most families are buying Milan, and then maybe the occasional movie fan, the critic, whatever you know, whoever wants to buy Milan, I would imagine that it's only going to be that niche market that really mm-hmm. you know, pays that money for that film. so and normally, with a film like that, you would make a killing at the box office, right? Because you're right. talking like between ten and fifteen dollars a ticket for both the kids and for the adults in some markets. And with nearly seventy percent of the theater market open in the U.S., uh, it—I don't even think that it would have done that much more here. To be honest with you, like I—I I couldn't see it making more than Tenet did its opening weekend, for instance. In fact, I would assume that it would have been less because parents are less likely to take their children out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, most children that I've seen are masked up; they're with their family um, and. Their family's usually pretty strict about like if they're in a you know grocery store, for instance, it seems like they're pretty strict about letting their kids go to different places without them. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I honestly don't think that it would have mattered had we had Mulan in theaters here in the US. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think it would have made much of a difference at all for its opening weekend?
1: Um. No, not at all. <laughs> uh. Maybe like a maybe a little bit more. It's just aside from like the theaters. Uh. You know, struggling to be open and not a whole lot of people going to them. I I feel like there are a lot of other factors that are contributing to that really bad opening weekend and their failure to hit that mark of like 30 to 40 million, like they were like planning on doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I think with all that being said, I don't, I don't think it really would have done well, regardless. Like if we weren't living in the COVID times, I still don't think this movie would have, would have done well at all.
0: I think it probably would have made anywhere from seventy-five to eighty million on its opening weekend. I don't think it would have opened to that two hundred million dollar. I don't think it would have made its money back right away in the, in the opening weekend. But I do think that it would be probably double what we're seeing now. Um, I think so? I do, and uh, I th- I don't know um, what the projections were like off the top of my head before COVID what Disney and the company and executives were thinking that this movie would do in terms of business. But I can imagine that they were probably looking anywhere from 80 to 120 million opening weekend, um, at least domestically here in the United States. I don't know about the Chinese market, but China and Russia are open to theatrical uh, releases. Now they're basically back to normal as far as, you know, standard operating procedures as far as the exhibitors being open and playing films. And yet uh, they made an abysmal amount of money. So who knows what's going on with the theater industry and if people are going to be willing to go back. I will say that between now and November 20th, um, so exactly a month from the time that we're recording, uh, No Time to Die is the only you know big ticket item that's basically booked on the theatrical release window at this point because Wonder Woman two moved, and obviously with um, how disappointing Tenet and Mulan, you know, did at the box office, I don't foresee a lot of the other film companies really wanting to take the risk of releasing their film in theaters right now. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if we see No Time to Die get pushed back um to probably their original intended month uh which was february it was supposed to release i think this past february and then it got pushed back to november and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if we see no time to die in february 2021 at this point just given the amount of money and revenue losses that we've seen
1: Right, and I'll, and I'll give Mulan this. Like whether you know, good movie or a bad movie, I just don't think now is a time where people should be expecting good box office results for any release right now. So mm-hmm. I, I think at the end of the day, it might actually just be the better move to just push these these uh release dates a little farther until we are actually able to like open up and until you know people aren't so hesitant to like leave their house and you know be out in public i i think the better move right now is to just wait because i think at this point they're not going to be making any money doing this
0: yeah and this really has the theater owners specifically worried um you know last week we saw Candyman be pushed back we saw the king's man you know go from a uh, given release date of september 18th to february 26th of 2021 and greenland has an basically indefinite uh delay so we don't know when greenland that's the like gerard butler disaster film uh that was supposed to come out um just this past week uh, that was pushed back indefinitely, and we're seeing this across the board with almost every film, no matter how big it might be. And I say that because not only have we seen something like Candyman, which might be projected to make out to make you know similar numbers to what, like for instance, Get Out did at the box office, uh, which was a good amount of money for the budget of that of that film, but you know, yeah. you are looking at the smaller releases be, being pushed back, and you are also looking at things like Black Widow. And Wonder Woman 1984 being pushed back. So I wouldn't be surprised if we'd see No Time to Die get pushed back. I wouldn't be surprised if we have no more major theatrical releases this year. Because you've got to imagine that Christmas is going to be so strapped for families that they're not going to want to go out to the movie theaters if they're having to, you know, spend money for Christmas gifts and stuff. And I, I just think that normally Christmas is your biggest time for the movie theater industry a lot of people don't know that but christmas is insane like the whole month of december is there's a whole lot of money to be made in december at the movie theaters and i don't think that that's going to be the trend this year at all so they're going to have to live with that and I, i wouldn't be surprised again if we see them completely shut down
1: I mean, again, I think it's the smarter move that they just go the streaming route, just, you know, release it on a streaming platform, as long as you're not like paying out the ass like Disney Plus was trying to do with Milan. I think, you know, if you want to release your movie, that's the better option rather than, you know, end up in the long run losing money trying to release it in theaters.
0: Yeah, exactly um and you know they're spending a whole lot of the theaters specifically are spending a whole lot of money on labor and mm-hmm. they're not getting enough business to justify that and so it you know i get that the state unemployment systems in a lot of places are not willing or able to sustain the you know extended unemployment benefits that everyone was getting from you know february to the end of August or July. Um, But at the same time, I, I do worry if they are to shut down again, what happens to those employees (laughs) and their families, you know, getting furloughed again. Uh, You have no source of income specifically here in Nebraska. You know, we don't have any extended benefits coming through at all. I mean, yes, there was an executive order, that extended unemployment benefits by three hundred dollars from uh, the president, but at the same time, uh, a lot of the a lot of the state systems have retaliated against that executive order, saying that they don't have the capability to do that without federal funding, and because the federal government isn't willing to pay one hundred percent of that three hundred dollars, um, you know, it, it's questioning whether or not you know we can even handle to shut down again which leads me to the point of we should have just been shut down all along until this was resolved at least enough to the point where everything could go back to normal comfortably but we didn't do that and here we are and now we're seeing the result of it across not just the theater industry but across several other markets we just happen to be talking about the theater industry because it pertains to the show but don't be mistaken like this is happening Pretty much in every retail space, um, in every space, communal space where people get together, uh, I just think that it's a shame. And Doom is apparently still planning to release their film this year. And there's a couple other movies, too, that are like West Side Story that are kind of up in the air. I don't think that we'll see them. And if we do, maybe December, maybe. But we have a long way to go. And as this pandemic has shown us, uh, everyone was like, oh, it'll be over in two months. And uh, here we are. Uh, it we're, we're going into October. Uh, Halloween will be canceled. Uh, it'll be very weird. It'll be very strange. But we chose this. And uh, we, I mean, we're going to suffer the consequences of it. And unfortunately, it's rock in the theater industry like no other. Uh, who knows what will happen, but there might be a uh, room for other major companies to come in and buy some of these theater chains. Like Amazon was about to do with AMC earlier this year, just to basically bail them out of debt because a lot of the places aren't going to have, I mean, think about that, like AMC specifically, um, you know, the largest movie theater chain in, in uh, the United States by bar none. And you, um, they're in debt and and it's impacting them really hard. Can you imagine what it's doing to the local business owners, the other oh theater gosh. owners that are in mom and pop shops uh, that only have two or three screens maybe, uh, how much of a hit they've taken from this? It's kind of insane to think about, um, especially since a lot of those places are... Are just over the past five years renovating and moving from analog to digital projection. And so they already bared the cost of moving to digital, which is so expensive. And now you have this, which is taking away pretty much 100% of their business. And it's a shame. And I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I wish them the best. Mm-hmm. No more movies 2020. That's what we deserve. (laughs) Again, we told you this podcast episode was going to be pessimistic, and I hope we are living up to that. But uh, I have nothing more to say on any of that-ish, so we're going to move on to the movie review that we have for you. And the movie review we have for you today is a Netflix original film called The Devil All the Time. And The Devil All the Time has a star-studded cast, let me just say. We have uh, Robert Pattinson, we have Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Haley Bennett, Riley. um, I I never know how to say that name. Do you know how to say that name?
1: I've been saying, like, Cove.
0: Cove? Maybe. Yeah, Riley like co
1: or Cove.
0: Yeah, I guess that would make sense. Uh, Sebastian San and Jason Clark also, who I have a love-hate relationship with him. I think we've talked about it on the past um, episodes before, but we'll talk about All of their performances, because there were there's a lot to talk about with this film. Actually, I was kind of excited to get into this episode just for this specifically, because I want to know your thoughts. We haven't talked about it at all. But before we get into it, I just want to read you the summary. So sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town, teeming with corruption and brutality. And boy, is this film dark and it's not even dark in like kind of that pleasurably twisted way it's just straight on uh, existentialism like uh, basically the the theme of this podcast is what this movie is and um, I don't know it was received pretty well Uh, Metascore uh, from Metacritic is at 55 and the last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes it was sitting at an 80 as far as critic reviews. But let me just go recheck that because who knows, by the time that we got around to this review, it might have changed because more people have probably seen it. Um, yeah, The Devil All the Time, Rotten Tomatoes, dun-dun, dun-dun. You ready, Linda? What do you think it's at?
1: Uh, Seven out of ten.
0: You're close. So the audience score is 83. And then the tomato meter, the actual critic reviews, out of 132, is 65. So we're sitting at you know about a 6.5 out of 10. So you're close. I'll give that one. Oh, I was
1: I was thinking of IMDb for some reason. My bad.
0: Yeah, um, IMDb is at uh, what is IMDb at? Oh, it's at 7.2 out of 10 for the audience <laughs> score.
1: Even closer.
0: So yeah, you basically nailed it. I'll give it to you. Just uh, <laughs> in terms of like averaging out those two. Yeah, you you came close. Um so I want to know what your thoughts are. And first, I want you to tell me, we're going to we're going to do this a little backwards. We're going to make this a little spicy. Oh. Uh, what's <laughs> your rating? I want to know. I'm curious to know your rating.
1: Oh. Uh, let's go. 8 out of 10.
0: Oh, you're going eight. My score is also an eight. Um, So we're at the same level and I'm oh. actually kind of surprised by that. Uh, I didn't know that I didn't think that you were going to like this um, as much as I did, as most people obviously have not. Um, But I think what I like about it a lot and there's a lot to unpack here, but I'll just, we'll, we'll go back and forth, but I, I want to just point out like the, probably biggest positive for this movie uh, for me anyway. Um, And that would be the score. The score really like ties the whole film together. And this is a nonlinear piece um, directed by Antonio Campos and having a nonlinear film, you have to make sure that everything is so tightly packed that nothing really misses a beat, right? Like you have to understand what's going on. The film has to be coherent and this is one of the most tight films that I've seen in a really long time. Every scene is purposeful. And that score really brings all of that together. So for me, it worked on that level. Uh, as far as like how you perceive this film, like, um, you know, what was the biggest positive for you?
1: the biggest positive for me actually i'm really glad that you mentioned that all like every single scene had a purpose because my favorite thing was actually the way that the story was perceived um usually when you come across movies like these where it's like everyone's connected somehow um there's always like times where it just kind of feels forced Mm -hmm. or you know you get those really like scenes that aren't really necessary, but they like put them in to be like, Oh, these two random characters are connected too somehow. But with this one, it just, it didn't feel forced. It was very smooth. Like everything had a purpose in this movie, which I really loved. Like, it felt like they wasted nothing with this movie. And I, I love the demonstration of the butterfly effect in this movie too. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I think That out of anything was what really kept me going with watching this was just, you know, how the story was, you know, how the story ran throughout the movie. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of people said that their favorite part was the acting, but honestly, the storyline was what really was what really kept me going for it.
0: That's really interesting, um, because yes, I get a lot of the the conversation that I've seen on this movie has been namely around character performances, right? and who's doing what and why. And one of the things that's missing from the conversation is, uh, I believe, um, the, the theme of the story, and you kind of brought it up there. Uh, but this is a very fatalistic movie. And I, I mean that in both senses, right? There's a lot going on here in terms of uh, death and like how people handle death and how the effects of generational violence play play you know out over time, but also it's playing on like just fate in general. Like you know, is your life fated to be the same as your family, or can you forge a new path? Um, and that kind of play on life itself. Uh, is really interesting to me and it's a very like uh, there's a lot of religious undertones to this film and it's kind of hard to point out whether or not this film is being pessimistic towards religion or whether it's just using this as an example of how you can misconstrue like actual faith right
1: yeah with, um, with that i uh, i don't think it's more or less like just you know, the theme of religion overall. Um, I agree with what you said there in that little last bit though, just how people perceive religion differently. Like that was another, like really big thing in that movie that I, that I just, I noticed and really was interested in too.
0: Yeah. The, the religion, the religion aspect is definitely like important to how the characters, um, are able to move throughout the story. Uh, a lot of people in this movie are basing their decision-making on the Bible and on what they believe to be um, the best way to live life. And sometimes that puts them in really bad situations. But I, I don't think that the film is explicitly saying we should hate religion. I just think it's saying that be careful, like what you like every, everything that you do matters And everything that you do has consequence, even if you have a lot of faith. I think that's, I think that's what Campos is really going for there. Uh, And it works. Uh, I don't, I don't believe because, you know, like I'm not a religious person, but I don't like films that explicitly are like, Hey, religion's bad. Religion's bad. Religion's bad. And I don't think that this is what the movie was doing at all. Uh, And so that I can appreciate as well as someone who isn't even that religious uh another favorite aspect of mine, uh surprisingly, was Jason Clark, actually.
1: I knew it, I knew you were gonna uh, say that.
0: And that was super surprising to me because I was sitting there and I'm like, oh my god, Jason Clark, like everything that you're in, dude, I just end up not caring for that much, whether it be like Terminator Genesis or like Pet Cemetery, countless other films. Uh every time I see him, he's just kind of dull in one note. Um, I don't think he's a bad actor. I just think that his performance often is a little bit more uh, nuanced and subtle than a lot of the other actors. And mm-hmm. so that doesn't always work um, when you're dealing with a film like Terminator Genesis, for instance, which uh, is supposed to be this big, you know, blockbuster action film. It just doesn't work always. But here, like, I, I think it has a lot to do with the chemistry that Jason Clark has with his co-stars. Because even the random hitchhikers that they pick up, and I won't go past you know into detail on any of that, but even the random hitchhikers that they that they pick up and the people that they encounter, uh, there's a lot of I think like genuine like I subtlety between how the characters are interacting with each other, and I think his kind of toned down performance actually is well suited for a story like this.
1: Yeah, I mean with his character was actually one of my favorites just because of how drawn I was to him in a way. I mean, between him and his wife or girlfriend or whatever in the movie, I got like this weird mix between Bonnie and Clyde with mm-hmm. like the charm of Ted Bundy. And the thing that interested me the most from his character is To be honest, I don't think he believed that what he was doing was wrong. I think he understood that other people would perceive it as wrong. And that is demonstrated in the movie. But I think he genuinely did not believe that what he was doing was a bad thing. Yeah. And that just like, I don't know, in a way, it just kind of like blew my mind a little bit. Like that. That happened just a lot in this movie. Like, the lines of morality are just so blurred in this movie. Because, I mean, there is really no good person in this movie. It's just a bunch of people that think they're good people. But they keep doing these things that are wrong. And yet they think that it's, like, from a good place. So it's not, you know, wrong. (laughs) and. It's a very, like, unforgiving movie. Like, you can't really root for anyone in it because no one at the end of the day got really a happy ending. I mean, some of them think they did, but in the long run, like, if you look at the big picture of the movie, like, no one truly got away with anything and no one lived happily ever after in this movie. And it it honestly left me super depressed when I finished it like there was there was no one that I could like be like I hope they make it through I hope they get to live out their dreams because I mean everyone was wrong in this
0: yeah that's a very good point um it really definitely forces you to think about like your actions too and like what you could be doing different I think even if like you had um, kids for instance I think this is the type of film that you really like Sit back afterwards and like reevaluate some of your choices and like not necessarily how you're raising them, but like you know, make sure that that you're being extra careful, like not to not to bring kind of your your trauma onto your children is is a, is a big takeaway from this film. Actually, between Bill Skarsgård's character and Tom Holland, who um, is playing his son, and. Uh, that that whole relationship was super fascinating, and again, you know, it ties back into how like tightly packed this film is. Where something that happens like right at the beginning, the beginning, you know, with Bill Scars Scarsgard's character slowly unravels with Tom Holland throughout the you know two hours and twenty minutes. I think is how long this movie is, but it really does like catch up to Tom Holland in the end, and mm-hmm. the parallels between you know father and son there are are really dynamic and really fresh um and that relationship and actually we all the relationships here are, are superb um i i did want to talk about robert pattinson a little bit just because it deserves mentioning at least <clears throat> excuse me uh i just died there for a second you can still hear it uh <laughs> really serious conversation and then i just choke um I'm glad you're not dead yeah, well, it would, it would fit the theme of this movie. Um, oh, my God. There's so many deaths here. Oh, my God. But anyway, oh my God. Uh, Robert Pattinson um, withheld his accent from this film, uh, from the director and from everyone else until they started filming. And he refused to get like a dialect coach to help formulate his southern accent. And um It kind of worked, but it's a little spotty in certain places. But that's been the main conversation that I've seen surrounding this movie, which is unfortunate because this movie is like so much more... It it warrants so much more discussion than just Robert Pattinson's accent. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of it? Did you think it was like consistent or did you think it was off a little bit?
1: Actually, you know what? I mean, I guess that wasn't really something I was like focused on per se. I just... I remember the whole time I was watching Robert Pattinson's performances. Damn. He is a really good actor because I freaking loathe him right now. (laughs) He is disgusting in this movie. And like how much I hated him just made me think, damn, he's a good actor. Shit. (laughs) Cause I just, I hated him. And oh my God, just, He was very disturbing and scummy and predatory and just gross. He was gross. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, I did not expect to see Robert Pattinson in a role like that, but it was just impressive. Like it angered me how impressive that was.
0: Yeah. Even how different Tom Holland's character here is compared to like his other characters that he's played it's so vastly different and like you said earlier like everyone here is their own antagonist i mean yes you have your bigger antagonist in the story but like really like everyone's kind of their own antagonist and and makes you know dumb decisions and thinks that you know life is just going to reward them for being good people and i think what this movie also had to say was that uh haha you think you're a good person well you're i mean you can't escape like bad things like they'll happen regardless Mm -hmm. um so that's also one of the more pessimistic aspects of this movie um was there anything that like you didn't like about this and that you would have changed i mean I know it's like a
1: major storyline, sorry, spoiler alert, but I think they could have gone without killing the dog. I understand why they did it, just a personal preference. I don't like watching or hearing animals die in movies. I'm a huge animal lover, and just hearing that, I hmm, it really pushes me the wrong way. I get why movies do it, and I understand why this movie did it, especially since, like I said, it's a it's a big storyline. I just hate it when they do it.
0: Well, and then to take it a step further, and uh, this is one aspect of the film that I don't mind spoiling, um, but to crucify the dog, like oh yeah, that seriously, was so fun, yeah. like that's what you're doing. Like, okay, so Pet Cemetery, obviously, like you know, the cat in Pet Cemetery, for instance, just you know getting run over, you know, on the on the highway, and then coming back to life is much different than a human uh, like an actual human you know that's it, and and doing it not as an accident either uh killing an animal and then crucifying it like that's that's a little too brutal for my liking and yeah. like uh i i would agree with you that that's um one thing that they could have probably done without uh and, like, also, it fucks Tom Holland's character up so much. It so, does.
1: Like, like, throughout the whole entire rest of the movie, he mentions the dog at least once in every single scene he's in. Which, to be fair, that would totally be me if that happened to me. But that only further goes to prove to you, like, just how unforgiving this movie is. Like, mm-hmm. it it don't give a shit. Like, no, it doesn't. It, it does not. And I'm... How have we not talked about the fact that Harry Melling, aka Dudley from Harry Potter, is in this <laughs> as the wacko priest?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, that, oh that, God. it was a little, it was a little jar. I, cause I didn't know that he was even in this movie, you know? And well, then when I, I saw him, and I don't know how, because like I just didn't recognize him in the trailer, I guess. But then when we actually get to the movie and it, I, Oh, he was one of the characters that I absolutely despise. Like Sebastian Stan's character, I sympathized with at first. And then by the time we get to the end, I'm like, oh no, you're just, you're, you're too far gone for me, dude. Uh, like you're pretty despicable. And, uh, right away his character, uh, I, Harry, this is, uh, his character really just made me angry. And I was so satisfied when he was, uh, you know um, cuts a little short from <laughs> from the film he's not in it obviously this is like a non-linear story so we're bouncing back and forth all over the place and the amount of screen time that they give him is just enough for it to be unsettling and a little annoying but not too much for you to be angry at the film for giving us this character for the whole, for, right. for the whole film so yeah, it is no an ensemble piece
1: yeah, it it really is, and I mean, it's just so funny because Lane and I are sitting here watching this movie, and I'm like, this priest is like super goofy looking. He kind of looks like the fat kid from Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it is fucking <laughs> and I felt super bad. And actually, I honestly think that his character, out of everyone in this movie, is like that perfect example. you know what we were talking about earlier like what they think they're doing is like right when really like you know that it's not the right thing to do but they don't really believe that
0: oh it was so ridiculous it actually kind of made me upset when that whole story unfolds because i'm like seriously like who in their right mind anyway uh obviously they're not in their right mind most of the people here are um, severely fucked up in the head uh, and I say that um, not lightly either, uh, because obviously they're really because we're picking up the story. This this takes place uh, in a very specific time period, you know, right after the the war, World War Two, that is, and it carries up through the late sixty or the early sixties, I guess, or late fifties, one of the two. I, I believe uh, it
1: starts in the late fifties and then like the second half is more into like the early to mid sixties.
0: Yeah, I thought it was early to mid sixties, but we also have the little bits and parts of the war that we go through too.
1: Um
0: mm-hmm. and I don't know, like I really appreciate the time period and they establish it really well. So it's not done. Um, it's not done for a nostalgia kind of feel. It's done to service the story more than anything. And I think I can appreciate that the most just because a lot of times when you're dealing with like things that are taking place in the late sixties, you know, we have this whole conversation about is this nostalgia porn, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that they did it at all here. I think, um, I think it was handled really delicately and I it mean, adds okay. to the story so yeah
1: i to be honest i think they did pick a really good time frame for this movie uh due to everything that's going on and with everyone's mindset in this movie i think that they chose a really good time frame for it to be most believable that people would think this way so mm-hmm. i mean i i agree with you that it, it really does add to the story and uh, there was one more thing that I wanted to mention, just because I was honestly a little surprised that I liked it. Uh, <laughs> typically, for like movies like this or with like very adult movies, uh, I don't like narrators because to me, narrators in movies that are you know geared towards adults kind of makes me think that the filmmakers think that their audience is stupid.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I I personally don't like them, but the way that the narrator is in this movie. I actually really liked it because it didn't give me the impression that the filmmakers (laughs) thought we were stupid. Um, Instead, it just kind of gave us like just interesting details to actually add to the plot instead of telling us what's going on, you know, instead of like not letting us figure it out ourselves. Um, Plus, the narrator isn't even like there the whole time either. It's just during like certain times to add to the story rather than spell out the entire story for you, which I really appreciate. So that was definitely like a surprising touch that I was surprised that I liked because usually I really don't.
0: Yes. And a uh, good, good point that you brought that up. Um, Donald Ray Pollock actually did the narration on this movie and he's the one that uh, wrote the novel that this film is based off of. So they got the writer to come do this narration for this movie. And I had the same critique when we opened up. In fact, Larency was with me and when, you know, we were watching it and Mm -hmm. I said to her, I was like, a narrator, like I, I didn't realize that there was a narrator. And then my mind just was kind of like, I, I sighed. I think I was like, <sighs> like, cause I hate being explained. Like I hate exactly. things being explained to me. Um, I don't like it. And uh, I've never liked it. Usually narrators. Um, Also, it's interesting that this narrator isn't even in the story, right? Like he, he's not in the story at all in any scope other than he's just there to provide you some uh, m- details that you might miss. Otherwise that, I mean, you, like you said, the details that he provides really add to the story and add to the characters. It doesn't necessarily take away anything. Yeah. And so they handled that really well. And also with the narration itself, they do a couple interesting like perspective change it, not necessarily perspective changes, but I guess what I'm trying to say is they, they play on voyeuristic elements really nicely in this movie. So there's this whole montage and I'm not going to spoil it for you. But there's a whole montage where we're seeing a specific character doing things. And it keeps, you know, we, we keep watching that character for maybe I think like three minutes or so. And uh no other character is really shown. So I mean I picked up on what was happening right away, but that's because I study film, so I kind of knew what was gonna happen. And uh but for everyone else, like that perspective change, and I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Linda but when it's revealed that another character was basically watching that character do all these things later in the film it wasn't explicitly it wasn't explicitly mentioned like it wasn't shown that that this character was being watched until later on we find out that this other character was watching him and that whole like play on who's watching what in terms of the actual story is super fascinating and it was super subtle but you could tell by the way it was being filmed that it you were kind of in someone else's shoe and that was the one instant instance in this movie I think where we actually had like a clear perspective on one character's point of view like visually like on the frame and that was really interesting and i really really dug that part of the film and also it leads to a very satisfying uh conclusion for a character as well. Um, Not maybe satisfying for that character, but certainly satisfying for the audience. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, no, I I like it a lot. Um, I think that you should definitely check it out. If you're, you know, at home and you're bored and you have nothing to do, go watch the devil all the time on Netflix because I, you know, uh, yes, the audience score isn't as high as the score that we're giving it. Not even the critic score is as high as we're giving it. But uh I think our opinion honestly is better than everyone else's. I don't know how you feel about that, Linda, but I think they should.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah, our opinion is better than everyone else. We're better than everyone else. So you know. <laughs> uh there was like one more thing I wanted to add, like real quick, mm-hmm. just because you you pointed out something. Uh back to like the whole narrator thing, you mentioned that since this was an ensemble, I, I like that you mentioned that it was an ensemble because to be honest, I really am glad that that narrator wasn't part of the story. Mm-hmm, me too. Like wasn't one of the characters because I feel like if it had been, we wouldn't have gotten that that gem of an ensemble feel to this movie because I feel like if it was narrated by a certain character in this movie, then it would have just kind of drew it would have like gave our attention away from from everyone else so i really am glad that they kind of went the route that they did with that entire decision because i just think a lot of things with the storyline are just really well done i'm just really impressed with how they went about everything with the story
0: yeah and um I I guess the main reason why I didn't give it as high of a rating is mainly because I think that at the end, when it's all coming together, I think that that could have been more satisfying. Um, I think it was a little too, um, I don't want to say like fragmented because it's not really fragmented, but it just, there's kind of this feeling of, um, being unsatisfied with the like how how the events happen at the end and i'm talking like the last like 25 minutes or so um the ending just didn't feel as strong it felt like they were leading to something bigger i think is what i'm trying to say yeah and not leading to something bigger uh when you get this whole like you know, a whole film to just kind of sulk with these characters. And it's told in this nonlinear fashion. And you're just waiting for something big to happen to bring everyone together. And it doesn't necessarily come together like that, which is okay. Um, but I just felt a little unsatisfied with that. But that was my only complaint really, uh, with anything. Otherwise, I do think that um, it worked really well in every other regard.
1: Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, Jared, no one in this movie really got what they wanted in
0: the end, no, did they? True. And those are my favorite type of movies, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they just, they depress me too much. That's so, like, sad and it leaves me feeling incomplete.
0: Like, yeah, I don't usually get that vibe. The only movie that really did that for me was actually Burning, um, the South Korean film with Steven Yeun from The Walking Dead in 2018. That movie, I don't know. I've never had like a movie experience like the one I had with that film ever. And I didn't even watch that like on the big screen. I watched that at home and like, oh my God, this existential crisis just like popped into my head and I'm like, oh my God, I can't sleep. And then I spent the next like three weeks talking about burning and like thinking about burning constantly because the ending was just so like, it was so like, frightening to me that and it's not even that scary is the thing either it's not a it's not a horror film or anything but like the ending of it just like left me on such a weird note that like i didn't know how to process it i love when films do that I, i i i truly do and i think i only love it because it not everything gets me like that um And I know it doesn't with you either, but I could see how something like this would leave you feeling like depressed and unhopeful about everyone's future, especially like considering, you know, the pandemic and all, but yeah. Yeah. uh, Interesting. So I think that wraps up the devil all the time discussion that we had here. We kind of went in depth on it, but I think it's a really good film and I'm glad that we both liked it and that we were both able to, at least have a good time doing it. Cause you know, when you're sitting down for a two hour and 20 minute movie, you're making a commitment. And I think, <clears throat> I think overall this one pays off really well. Oh yeah. So now don't think I would let you off that easy without at least one more ad read the good news though. I'm simply trying to tell you about our website, the We have plenty of articles and reviews for you to read as you ponder your existence during these trying times, like indie movies. How about blockbusters? The good news is we cover all types of film, but we especially love a good horror movie. So, if you're a Nebraska local looking for a review of your latest project, we got you. Simply search theborowreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. If you have a short or feature film you'd like for us to review, and you aren't a Nebraska filmmaker, we'll still cover your film at no charge. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. Now, Not every submission will be accepted, but it is always worth a shot. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. Now, we have a couple trailers to discuss. And I'm going to flip a switch on you, Linda. We're going to talk about the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer for just a second. Uh, Did you get a chance to check it out?
1: Yeah, I I watched the trailer for it. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean... I feel like I would have been more psyched about it if I actually watched The Mandalorian, which I I don't. Lane, oh, I thought
0: Lane would have made you.
1: Oh, no he can't make oh, no. me do dick. <laughs> <laughs> um the only thing I really got from season 2, I don't really know how much different it is from season 1, but
0: It doesn't look um, that different.
1: Yeah, I mean it seemed like season 2 had a lot more Focus on Baby Yoda because it seemed like the entire point of season two is to like meet other Baby Yodas, mm-hmm. which seems exciting because, of course, everyone's favorite part of the Mandalorian is the Baby Yodas. Now that's so a
0: fact, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So maybe that's something to look forward to if you are an actual watcher. So.
0: yeah i i watched all of season one and it started really good and then it just kind of trailed off for me at the end to the point where like i didn't really care like i don't have a connection to any of those characters outside of baby yoda and the only reason i have a connection to baby yoda and maybe the mandalorian uh is simply because baby yoda is so cute and they knew what they were doing when they created that character and it's kind of cheap it's a cheap trick but it works and it gets (laughs) you And uh, (laughs) that's really all that it had going for it. I mean, I appreciate what they're trying to do with Mandalorian, but it just, the execution felt flat to me in the first season. And I get the same feeling from this season. So I'll tune in. I'll definitely tune in to check it out. I will probably end up watching the whole thing, but I might not enjoy it because by the time the end came around in season one, I was kind of already starting to feel a little tiresome with it, but um, we also have another trailer. And I'm I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this trailer. I I feel like the the lack of conversation for the Mandalorian is going to be made up right here with the Wolf of Snow Hollow, which is Jim Cummings' second film, and it's like a horror comedy that uh, basically follows this small town um that is having like an uptick of murders and everyone's like there's like basically mass hysteria in this town about what's happening and people are like it's a werewolf and the main sheriff uh played by jim cummings is like no it's not a fucking werewolf like you people are crazy like why is everyone saying this and uh if you watch thunder road at all which was a movie i really like from 2018 i think it's in my top three of that year Uh, That was Jim Cummings' directorial debut. And he also started as the main character in that one as well. But it was just a whole lot of fun. It was kind of this, uh, you know, dramedy um, centered around this cop who had lost his mom. But he found a way to make it, like, really, really funny. And I can only imagine what this film would be like if it's anything like that experience I had watching Thunder Road. If he just takes that concept of infusing his, like, brand of comedy into a horror movie, like, you... I'm sold. Like I'm there. I'm ready for it. How did you feel about it? Um. Uh,
1: so okay.
0: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, I did not think that you were going to have this same. Uh, that's. Mm, okay, Here,
1: hear me out. I, I, okay, let me just start off by saying, you know. Keep the vampire movies coming. I love a good vampire movie. I know we're, like, in, like, the post, like, you know, supernatural genre when it comes to vampires and werewolves, Mm -hmm. you know? We're, like, in post-Twilight, post-True Blood, post-Vampire Diaries, so I know we're kind of, you know, taking a step back, but... I mean, werewolves, we don't have a whole lot of movies for werewolves, especially these days. The most recent werewolf movie that I can think of off the top of my head is The Wolfman that I think came out in like, what, 2009 or something? I like thought that. it
0: was like 12, but maybe, yeah.
1: twelve. You know, around that time. So I, with as rare of wolf, werewolf movies as we get, I'm really glad that we are getting one and that alone is what's really driving me to watch it because from the trailer this is this is in my notes keep in mind because this was the only thing I could think to write after watching it. Um from the trailer it seemed like it was gonna be like a really good, you know, good movie. It seemed like very horror, you know, themed, which is nice. But then we get to every single part where we listen to the cop talk. And I can't tell if it's because, like, he's going to be, like, the comic relief or if he's just a really bad actor. <laughs> and so in my notes, I put good movie, bad acting from cop.
0: Are you talking about Jim Cummings himself?
1: I think so. The one that's like, can I be right just this one time that it's a man?
0: Yeah, yeah, that-, that would be Jim Cummings. See, that's that's the director. Um <laughs> You didn't probably watch Thunder Road, did you?
1: I did not.
0: Okay, so I think that if you were to give Thunder Road a chance, uh, you would kind of see what his comedic style actually is. Uh, It can be a little over the top, a little (laughs) dramatic. Um, However, Thunder Road, again, is one of my favorite movies of 2018. So I think that's also, I have a love for that movie that I don't have for very many other movies and the fact that he's playing cause he played a cop in that one too. Oh, of uh, course. yes. Um, and I think just knowing how that movie plays out and how, how much I really like his performance in that movie, I think that adds to my level of excitement for this movie, because had I just watched this trailer, I kind of get what you're saying. It seems he seems a little over the top, right? But it like, uh, just seems
1: like he was like copy and pasted into the trailer from like a totally <laughs> different movie. <laughs> And, I mean, I'm really just going to have to take your word for it that he's actually funny.
0: (laughs) I'll send you a clip from Thunder Road uh, maybe later, and you can watch that clip, and you can see kind of what he goes for in his film, and maybe that'll help, like, make you feel a little bit better about this, but I totally think you're valid. Um, the, The one thing that does excite me is that this is only an hour and 20 minutes, and also it's rated R, so it's a nice, you know, clean... Hour and 30 mo- minute movie, and um the, we don't get many of those these days. We, we just got done talking about The Devil all the time, which is like two and a half hours almost. And, half. and so, every time we get a movie that's an hour and a half that I think even remotely looks good, I'm excited.
1: I mean, the thing I like about the short runtime these days is you know, with the short runtime, what's supposed to happen is you know you get to the action and you get to everything quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't waste any time on like trying to build a plot. You kind of let the plot build itself throughout the movie. Um, Like I said, that's what you're, you know, you're supposed to do. I know with um, that one movie with Jay Baruchel, I can't remember. It It was that. (laughs) Random
0: acts of violence.
1: (laughs) There we go. Uh, that one was short, and it did not do that. So as long as, it's a, it, I mean, it says the wolf is snow hollow, not random acts of violence. So I'm going to assume that it's going to do the right thing here. But oh, it's you know, going to be yeah, so much better. <laughs> so you know, there's that. I'm I'm glad we're going to have you know like a quick pace movie, which is kind of what I'm looking for now. I just you know want something that'll just grab my attention.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. I we're definitely gonna review this movie. Uh, oh <laughs> we're we're definitely gonna review this movie now because I have to. Like, I feel obligated to uh, have us watch this. Um no just just for those uh i don't actually force anyone to watch anything i usually ask about it before so if she if linda doesn't if spooky linda doesn't want to cover the spooky werewolf movie we won't cover the spooky werewolf movie but i'm just saying like maybe convince her to do so especially if you've seen uh, thunder road and you know what jim cummings can do um definitely hit those comments uh yeah Oh my god. Spooky
1: what? Linda knows her duties. Spooky Linda knows that if there is a rarity of a werewolf film coming out, then Spooky Linda's going to watch it and review
0: it. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page about, about all that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that concludes the conversation for that trailer. There was another trailer that just released like I don't, like literally like an hour and a half before we started recording. I don't know if you got to see it, but it was it's the WandaVision, WandaVision trailer. Yeah. Oh, fucking love that trailer, man. That's <laughs> such a good trailer. That's how you do a show, right? Like, everyone's like, the MCU, it's so dull. Like, they're not doing anything different. It's copy and paste. And then you take a sitcom with Vision and the Scarlet Witch and you fuse that into this weird, you know, drama like comedy. Minutes. Hybrid. I love
1: Lucy type of thing.
0: Yeah, it totally reminds me of I Love Lucy, and I love Lucy. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and like the thing is, <laughs> uh, I just I just really like dug that trailer, and it was so different from anything else that really like I've seen on TV, it, like at least currently. And like I don't know, it gave me good vibes, and I will be watching it.
1: Yeah, no the way they went about that trailer was absolutely genius. Like it was super fun and it was like a really fresh take on like most trailers you see from like Marvel or DC. Like they went like the super fun route with it without being like too serious and it, that alone like honestly made me want to watch it so bad.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I cannot wait for that show to release. Um I did cancel my Disney Plus I'm currently using. Um the household's Disney Plus. Uh, but um mainly because like outside of the Mandalorian, I didn't watch anything on Disney Plus. But you bet you, um, you betcha. I, I don't know you why I said you. that it's so weird. You bet you. Uh you <laughs> ya, I will be watching WandaVision when it releases. Oh I'd yeah, swear. me too. We it's could cute. release a whole podcast with just my fuck ups.
1: Oh no, that'd be too mean. Cause it uh, you
0: mean. know that if
1: we- <laughs>
0: you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know that if we did a video on all your fuck-ups, we're gonna have one on all my fuck-ups, and that's not gonna be as fun because that involves me.
0: Your fuck-ups are usually on video, though. We usually have your fuck-ups during the actual, like, recording of the videos, not the recording of the podcast.
1: Last time I, like, fucked up on camera, you had it on the Patreon page, and I was really glad. so I was like, certain people probably shouldn't watch me say that. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's why I put it on the Patreon page. I'm like, thanks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, Okay, cool. I just... What?
1: Oh, I was, I was going to say, I just, I remember one certain clip in particular that I'm really not going to go into detail. (laughs) Just your little, oh, oh, and then you just like crack up and I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that.
0: Yeah, I watch that video monthly. Almost. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> no,
0: that's a little exaggerating. Um exagger- exaggerative. Uh, I what? don't watch that video monthly, but I will tell you that if I do need a good laugh and I'm on my Patreon page, like I do go <laughs> watch it because it's hilarious. And I the- promise
1: you guys, in real life, spooky Linda's funny, so you know oh,
0: hysterical. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> You're funny on the podcast too, don't worry. But I Okay. Um, yeah. Trailers, m- movie review. Um, the only thing we got left is to really tell you what's streaming this weekend. And uh, there's a whole lot out actually. Um, we have Pen15, um, which is season two on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Um, and it's like a 2000 era middle school embarrassment season um, following the main characters, Anna and Maya. Um, yeah. I've heard good things about it. It's like a it's supposed to be, like, a comedy. Um, the clips that I've seen didn't seem too funny, but I guess it's just not my brand of humor. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. Um, moving on, we have We Are Who We Are. <laughs> I hate that title. I, I immediately that. think of DJ Turner. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, my God. We are just- Every time-
1: it's always followed by DJ. Turn it up. And oh. Just-
0: oh, why did you have to do that to my brain? Okay, okay. Yes, you said, it. you said it, but as I was reading it, I was like, We are, we are. Geez. <laughs> like- <laughs> uh,
1: can't right now.
0: Uh, another coming of age tale, apparently, is what this is. Um, follows two teens living in the living on a U.S. U, a US. <laughs> this is hysterical. This episode, um, this series follows two teens living on a U.S. Army base in Italy, struggling with their identity. So it seems a little bit more serious. We also have Ratched on Netflix. Were you going to check that out at all?
1: Oh my God! It's really called Ratched. Yes. Oh, um, I've been calling it Ratchet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ratchet? How do you get Ratchet out of that?
1: I don't, I don't know, but my sister's been watching and I was like, are you watching Ratchet? She's like, that's how you pronounce it. I was like, yeah, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> oh no. So it's, how do you pronounce it? Ratched ratch um no I, yeah. I haven't really watched it because i thought it had a really trash title.
0: <laughs> yeah uh i figured you might uh eventually watch it just because sarah polson but it follows a um a hospital nurse and it's like this psychological thriller um created by ryan murphy i don't really like ryan murphy so i tend not to watch his shit but uh Yes, I know that's a hot. Ha- I I don't really care for American Horror Story, to be honest with you. Um, I just have never... Outside of the first season, The Haunted House, I've never gotten into basically any of the other seasons. So it is what it is, but...
1: It is what it is. It
0: is what it is. We also have The Devil All The Time, which we just got done discussing in length on the podcast that's streaming on netflix right now if you get bored this week you can watch that we also have the third day on hbo which is a two-part limited series um that sees jude law and naomi harris travel to mysterious british island of Os- osha Ocea. how do you say that but it's not exactly a relaxing retreat nonetheless um probably because they can't even pronounce the name of the island. <laughs> Um, I think it's
1: O'Shea
0: O'Shea yeah that would make sense
1: I mean this is the same girl who thought it was Ratchet but I mean that's how I would pronounce it
0: OC I'm just gonna call it OC you separate yeah there's a space there no no, I think you had it right (laughs) (laughs) I think it's OSHA yeah I think you I think you're right um we also have all in the fight for democracy on Amazon video um Stacey Abrams, who was the former minority leader of the Georgia House of Representatives, tackles voter suppression, and highlights laws, and barriers to voting. Um, Really relevant as we get into our election here in the U.S. right now. And then we also have Spides on Crackle. Spids? Spides? I think it's
1: Spides.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Spiders without the R? Yeah.
0: Oh, is that what this is? Okay, hold on. In this eight-part series, Nora wakes up from a coma with a serious case of amnesia. A mysterious drug wiped her memory, and she comes to find out that aliens are using a synthetic drug to infiltrate humans to use as host bodies. Hmm.
1: Okay, this shit's a straight ripoff of the faculty and invasion of the body
0: snatchers. Yeah, no kidding, but it's has a better name, clearly. Spides. Spides. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's on Crackle. I'm not watching it, to be honest with you.
1: Crackle? (laughs) Crackle. No one ever goes, hey, you want to watch something on Crackle?
0: I know. I think the last time I watched something on Crackle was seventh grade, but I could be wrong. Could have been fifth.
1: Oh my god. (sighs)
0: Interesting. Interesting. So that's the streaming lineup you have for this week. If you're bored and you need something to watch um, on Tuesday night or on Monday night, after you listen to this, uh, I would definitely recommend first the devil all the time, but then there are some other teen dramas and comedies on there for you if you want, or the new Sarah Paulson Ratched um, psychological series that is going to be premiering as well, or it did premiere this past weekend. Um, Yeah, that's a, that's a show. I think that's the show. Um, yeah, it's great talking to you as always. Uh, oh, yeah. Glad that we yeah. both enjoyed the devil all the time because with all this depressing news about us not being able to go to the movies or us not getting movies for a really long time, it was nice to actually have something there and have something accessible to actually like latch on to and appreciate on the level that we obviously appreciated it. So. Um, yeah.
1: Nothing like going from being depressed from not seeing movies to being depressed and then watching a movie and then further being depressed, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. Also, by the way, okay, back on the streaming thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that show really called Pen15? Like, I just I just got to double check my work now. Is that really called Pen15? Uh,
0: that's how it's phonetically pronounced, but I hesitated when I said it. I have no idea. Well, no, I, I think it obviously is, it's a play on mm. um, penis, Save right? It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's a play on penis, but I'm just, okay. I'm gonna say Pen15 uh, just because I I don't know. Obviously, <laughs> it's, obviously, it's penis, right? But are people calling it Pen15? That's what I'm confused about.
1: I don't know. At the end of the day, I just really wanted to hear you say penis. I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I almost want to look up a video so I can see how other people are pronouncing it. Um, Do it. Also, Linda, I don't, I can say penis. I can say vagina. I don't care. Like, I know. I just didn't want to be like, Hey, Jared, say
1: penis. T. you? T- no, I just, <laughs> I yeah. just kind of wanted to hear you just kind of say it. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm tired. Okay.
0: I get it. I get it. Well, Luckily, you get to go to bed now after your long work shift, and um, I will edit, and uh, this show will be released exactly almost 12 hours from right now, uh, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time. And, uh, yeah, make sure to subscribe to the Into the Bro podcast on whichever provider you use to get your podcast. And also, if you want to share the show, Give us a like, um, when we actually, well, not a like, I guess, uh, but a download, if you want to download the show that really tends to help us in our numbers here, uh, on the back end. Um, but sharing also, like, I just really appreciate p- people who take the time to like share this podcast and this work because we, we both put a, a lot of time into doing these things. And especially oh, yeah. now that we can't do like videos or haven't been doing videos, Uh, because partly because there are no movies being released. Um, I think that the podcast has really been a nice creative space for both of us. And I know that I appreciate doing it with you and I appreciate having you on it. So it really does help if you share and download and uh, Mm -hmm. just make sure to spread the word about it. You know, people often don't know much about movie news unless like you're in the industry. And I think that What we provide here, I am going to sound like a narcissistic, egotistical piece of shit for two seconds, but I think that what we provide on the Into the Brew podcast is definitely a more accessible kind of um, approach to the entertainment industry and like all the news surrounding it uh mainly because we're out here in Nebraska. So obviously like we're not as closely involved with all that stuff and so it's a lot easier for us to provide a more rounded perspective on everything. Um mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that. And for the casual like movie fan it's great cuz we we really don't get into too much of the um you know the casting news or any of that garbage. I it's not garbage but I just, the reporting about the casting news, I really don't care. Like, I don't care who's cast and what, unless it's, unless it's Scream 5.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, Scream 5, like, everything is out the window. We're going over every single detail about yeah. that movie.
0: Or, like, A New Nightmare on Elm Street, or, you know, a new Friday the 13th. Like, I, like obviously, if it's horror-related, we're probably going to be a little bit more key- keyed in. But if we're talking about the next Marvel movie, man, I don't care who they sure. get for that. Like like it's it's just one of those things that I don't know I've just never <laughs> taken a particular interest in, so you
1: know.
0: but yes, um yeah, great show um you can find us next week. And we will be releasing at the same time, hopefully, uh, Monday at 11 a.m. Central Time. If there are any changes to that schedule, we'll try and let you know ahead of time. If not, you're just going to get uh, another schedule change, even though we promised not to do it. <laughs> we did. We, we
1: can do what we want. So, yeah, know. we,
0: we kind of can. Um the time to release, but, you know, I think as long as it's any time during during the week and not saturday i think we're pretty okay so as long as it's not being released on saturday i don't i really don't see the issue with it but uh, yeah that's all that we have for you this episode thank you so much for listening and we hope that you tune in next week bye everyone
1: see ya